The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 134 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host Zandrick Ellison. And uh, Zan, it, it, the wait wasn't long, right? We have we had games, real games to watch. So before we get into it, how are you today? Merry Good Christmas. Well. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. It'd be a little more PC. Jesus. <laughs> Starting with offensive right out of the gate. I thought um, the war on Christmas was already, I thought, I thought liberals won the war on Christmas already. <laughs> Isn't it over or is it still going on? I don't know. It's hard to keep track. I, I just want to meet the person who like, you're at Starbucks and the barista says, oh, Merry Christmas. And you get like offended. Like, I mean, who cares? You know, I, I understand. I, I get it. Like, it's not religious. It's, I think it's transcended religion Christmas. I think yeah, it's, it's a sort it, of like, it's a, more of just a greeting at this point or just a pleasantry, if you will. Well, that's like my controversial take. We'll start off with a controversial Christmas take. Let's I do know, it. We want to isolate as many li- listeners as possible. Or, well, I know Christ or, is like in the name. So there's definitely some religious overtones to it. Um, but. I think it should just be like a national thing, like it, and just like, ignore that. Just make it about Santa. Make it about presents. Make it about buying a lot of crap that you don't need to help the economy. We did um, that this year, that's for sure. Yeah, and and it just feels good. I mean, like I I think there's something like fundamentally like heartwarming about the holiday seasons, whatever holiday you celebrate. One thing I will say: the quality of holiday movies is really dropping. There seems to be on Netflix a million movies about like being a Christmas prince or a Christmas knight. What do you mean we watched all of them? I know. Yeah, it. it's 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 really bad. Like, but what's but that wrong with that? I don't. I just there's those aren't interesting to me, right? So I find myself I'm watching Home Alone. Obviously, you have to watch Home Alone one and two, and then you watch the Santa Claus, and then after that, what you know, Elf people watch. I, I never really found Elf to be so in, hilarious, but. I mean, well, we watched our Christmas movies. We watched Christmas Prince. We watched the Royal Baby sequel. Oh no, that's the third one. There's a bunch. Here. I was gonna say there's there's like more. She Christmas. meets the prince in the first one. The second one, there's a <laughs> wedding. In the third one, there's a royal baby. So are any of these worth watching? Because it's still yeah, technically it's like it's like light. It's like you know drinking hot chocolate and like having it on the background. Who cares? You know, it's just like very like comforting. It's, it's movies that don't make you work hard because my you wife know actually what's going to happen. My wife actually told me the other day that she only drinks hot chocolate as a vessel to eat mini marshmallows. So oh, perfect. Yeah, she, yeah. She wants to start by putting the mini marshmallows in the cup early and then putting the hot chocolate on top, so you can fit more mini marshmallows in than you think. So yeah, talk you know. about like it's definitely the season to gain weight we're watching british bake-off we're watching holiday movies eating a lot of gingerbread cookies so we got to talk about the nba though we, we you know this is it's yeah it sucks been, for nba players you have to get in shape right around the holiday season do you have to get in shape you could Not just Draymond. be like james Draymond's Harden, right? still out for uh, conditioning reasons well i think okay so it seems pretty obvious that draymond had covid 19 yeah. and it maybe affected him a little bit more than it affected others but i don't know Christmas Day games were, were just okay, right? Like, 
Boston and Milwaukee was, was quite good, I think, uh, on opening night. And then Milwaukee won by a million on Christmas Day. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, New Orleans and Miami was never really a game. But what I will say is I think the level of competition to start the year has been very good. They're, they're obviously like Dallas beat the Clippers by 50 on Sunday. But I do think with the way the schedule is and with guys having to show up to camp and not getting a ton of reps, like I thought that there was an opportunity on Bovada Sportsbook to potentially bet a bunch of unders again. Start of the year, I thought guys would be out of shape. But it, it doesn't seem to me, Zam, like the quality of play so far through one week has been bad, really. No. I, and the offense, usually like when they say defenses are ahead of offenses at this point, like often seems like they're snapping right to it, scoring a ton of points. Um, and some of these young teams, I mean, like, look, like it's a weekend and the league's gone as we expected. Cleveland's 3-0. Atlanta's undefeated. Orlando's undefeated. I mean, it's like, it's a very bizarre start, but like, so it's our job now to like, what's real, what's not? And how do you not overreact? two, three games, but you, you kind of have to take a step back. Cause you're right. You, you have whiplash. If you think like Clippers beat the Lakers, they're a title contender. Oh wait, no, they lost by 50. Now the sky is falling. Like you have to have a measured response and it's kind of your job, Tyler, to figure out what's real well, and what's not. So let's talk about, let's talk about the teams that we, we thought would be really good to start the year. Right. So uh, let's talk about the Clippers, the Bucks, the Lakers, and the nets because that's what everyone wants to hear about so yeah the bucks have been one and two bad loss at the last game um yeah so sunday the bucks lost by 20 to the knicks Knicks, which was a little bit weird to see happen but then they lost by one to boston jason tatum banked in a three on opening night over Giannis and then Giannis missed two missed one of two free throws at the buzzer to tie the game on a real dubious call. And then they blew out golden state golden state looks not so good to start, but Milwaukee's fine. I think like, yeah, I, I think taken, I, I haven't changed my opinion on Milwaukee, the Clippers or the Lakers. I mean, the, the Clippers losing by 50 is just like, it's weird, but weird. it's going to screw up their like advanced stats for like months, you know, Kawhi didn't, differential based. Kawhi didn't play because he took the elbow to the mouth against Denver on Christmas Day. Like, and so I think all those teams are good. I still really think the Clippers are good. I do think the one biggest takeaway about the three team, those four teams is that, and it stinks as we're talking to you because we, we just found out that Spencer Dinwiddie has a partially torn ACL. So he's probably out for the season, but Brooklyn looked Really good. I understand on Sunday they lost by two to Charlotte, which is very odd because Charlotte hadn't looked very good in their first two games, but it was a back-to-back. Like, I think Brooklyn is really good, and I think that it, we shouldn't overreact to three games for sure. Like, we definitely should not overreact to three games, but Kevin Durant looks better than he looked in 2018. I don't know. Kevin Durant looks really good. Kyrie looks really, really good. If they stay healthy, Dinwiddie was the one guy that didn't look good, Zan, right? Dinwiddie was the guy that looked like he was having a really hard time finding his footing. He was averaging like just under six a game and he was starting, which I thought was odd, but like they're deep enough to sustain an injury to Dinwiddie. They'll play Bruce Brown a little bit more and he'll be better as a defender. I I don't know. I, I think Brooklyn looked really good. I was really impressed. I was the most impressed by Brooklyn the first two games of the year, for sure. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's the major, I think, first week storyline is the Dinwiddie. How does that affect them, positive or negative? Because um, they were, I think, one of the four, in our minds, you know, real title contenders. Um, 
you know, come out blistering, you know, Durant, as, as of this recording, Durant's at 69% from three, uh, Kyrie 56%, and Joe Harris 44%. That one might actually stay around there too. Um, and then I, I agree with you. Like the one thing I did not like about watching Brooklyn was like their rotation. They were, they're like, we're going to start Kyrie and Dinwiddie together. And then I guess with the idea that Karis Levert's going to come in and be like their bench score. Right. And I just didn't like it because I don't think Karis Levert's as good as people think. And he often seems out of control and he's more of a scorer. I, I almost like Dinwiddie in that role better than Karis Levert. And so to have Kyrie and Dinwiddie together, maybe this too small of a backcourt, it didn't really feel like it worked to me. And then you take Dinwiddie out of the equation now. And so what happens now? Do you put in Levert? Do you put in Torian Prince? Has sort of been a forgotten man there. I don't think they'll start Levert. Again, he, he's t- Levert's taken like 13 shots a game so far off the bench. He, he's very clearly like, let's prop up the second unit with him as the main guy. What I think it hurts them is their closing lineup. I think they'll start... I, I would, I would, I would assume that they'll start Landry Shaman now, right? Yeah, and he's been ah. cold for about two years now. He, he's on the year two for sixteen shooting. Torian Prince one for eleven. So like those are the guys that like have not gotten going. I thought them moving Dazen Musa for Bruce Brown was like a very sneaky KG move because Musa definitely needed a change of scenery, and and Bruce Brown is was a good player for the Pistons. I think like that's the guy that probably makes the most sense to start because he's a really good defender and you can play him next to Kyrie. He doesn't really need the ball. The, the, the problem is, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like you, you can afford to play less shooting around. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dinwiddie's not like a knockdown shooter. Brown shot. I mean, Brown shot 35% from three last year in Detroit, 26% the year before, but like, I just don't know, like, if Shamit's not going to be a guy to make shots, he's not going to really guard. And the one thing I'd want is defense to kind of prop that first unit up. And Dinwiddie's not an amazing defender, but he's a good defender. I guess the issue is they want somebody to take the ball out of Kyrie's hands some, right? Like, and they don't want it to have to be Kyrie and Kevin Durant back and forth over and over and over again. And that's what Dinwiddie can do. He's a very good facilitator. He's a big guard. He can score when he needs to. And that's why I think when you and I talked about this originally, we thought he was going to be their second unit point guard because that's what he does, right? Like well, he's, he's talk really to me about Torian Prince. Cause I look at this guy on paper and I'm like, he seems like a perfect, like, you know, fifth man for all these sort of good teams. Like prior to coming to Brooklyn, he shot 38% from three, 39% from three. He looks like a good defender. He's long. And then he didn't play well last year. He's almost been buried so far this year, 13 minutes a game. As we mentioned, has barely made a shot. Shooting one so like, for 11 from the field. Because in my normal circumstance, I'm like, I want that guy because he's long. We'll keep our size. We can go Kyrie and Joe Harris in the backcourt. Torian Prince at small forward. That's a pretty big team. Keep our defense pretty strong. Like, what's wrong with him? I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I've always heard that he is not a basketball IQ guy and it's hard to play him in a cohesive offense. That's what I've always been told. I don't know that that's the case. I can only go by what people tell me on the court. He he seems much more like an empty calories guy to me. He's probably better suited. I think to be a small ball four and, and be an energy guy, like be a rebounder and, and just make open threes. And I think like, if I had to guess, I'd say that that's kind of the problem. Like he, he's kind of an in-betweener, you know, like a tweener. I get nobody really uses that term anymore. I don't think, but where. Yeah. Cause like people believed in him at some point, he got like a, he was a first round pick. Stuff. Like, yeah, he, he has mean, a decent contract. 
he was considered an asset when they traded for him. One one of the main issues I think with the Nets, and and you've been you keep saying like there's something missing. And this was even before we knew about the Spencer Dinwiddie injury. You keep saying like I don't like the Nets, like I don't like their pieces, and I keep saying like the Nets are super deep. They they legitimately seem to have ten guys that can play. And now we're kind of talking ourselves into like, well, what do they do at that three spot or the two well, spots? No, you play? It's, it's it's always hard. Like Dinwiddie was twenty and seven last year, and so like he He's wouldn't really have those stats in that role in this new role. But it's like it's hard to replace like a good you know whatever he is six man at, at the worst. I'm telling um, you, I think they're going to end up. I, I think it'll end up being Bruce Brown because they were playing Dinwiddie almost exclusively at the two. This is three games in a year, mind you. But Lavert is going to play that role, but he's going to be a bench guy. Like it doesn't make sense to not have somebody to prop up your bench unit. So, and Shamit, they've played some at point too, which is super weird. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter because like Lavert, when he's in the game, he's going to have the ball. So I think it's going to end up being Bruce Brown. I don't think I think they see Torian Prince as specifically a three-four, and I think they see Joe Harris almost exclusively as a three. And if that's yeah, he's the been case, playing mostly three the last couple of years. Um, yeah. And he's only, he's like 6'6". Six, six. I mean, he's pretty thick. I mean, he's not like small, but I just, I, I always hate when teams go too small and I understand it. Like the Spurs last year did it too, where it's like, our guards are our best players. They're the most skilled players. Let's get them out there. They deserve yeah. to be playing. But then collectively your team is, it's too small. I mean, it is. And then you I mean, the one good your defense and your rebounding. And, and right now the Nets are number one in defense, by the way. So number one in defense. Problem. Yeah, number one in defense. I mean, here's the thing with the Nets, too. Like, So this is interesting, right? Everybody knows that my my friend plays – or my friend is a coach for the Hornets. So they they play the Nets on Sunday night. And I, I asked him about the Nets coaching staff because we talked about how they have this pretty crazy staff, right, like with D'Antoni and Jacques Vaughn and then Steve Nash is the head coach. And it was kind of like, do we think that they're going to be able to manage these personalities? And, you know, he said that – they seem so comfortable. Like they, they don't seem like bothered by things like they, they, you know, not, not disinterested per se, but like just that they know they've got this team that's like, when you have Durant, like he just allows you to do so much, right. They're playing him at the four and they put him a little bit at the five, but like, it's almost like, man, they'll be okay. Like Dinwiddie's a big loss. Like he's a really good player, but like when you have Durant and, and Kyrie and, you know, Jared Allen's been pretty good this year. They, they insist on playing DeAndre Jordan, which is, it's great keep playing him. Joe Harris has been good. Like they're so far away from being like ruined by having a really good player get hurt, which is like, well, and then the, the hard thing, so about interesting. the hard thing about Dinwiddie getting hurt is like coming into this year. I'm like, do they need Dinwiddie? Right. Is this like a Lou him. Williams situation where it's like, he doesn't quite fulfill his skill set here. I thought the best argument to keeping him was what if Kyrie misses 20 games? Yeah, it is. It is. It. And so what happens now? Kyrie misses 20 games. I guess Shamit could be a de facto point guard, yeah, but they and I will they're, say they're lacking this, somebody. Can can Steve Nash? I looked it up. He's 46. He could play point for sure. <laughs> and do you think he can give him 10 minutes a night? He I can still so. shoot it enough. I think he can still here. Here's my thing too with Dinwiddie. The one other thing that I think is a little bit overlooked and I'm, I'm not sure about this. I don't want to take a huge leap here, but Dinwiddie got a lot of credit for, bringing Kyrie to Brooklyn originally. And Dinwiddie got a lot of credit for kind of like recruiting Kevin Durant and being like the behind the scenes, like maestro of like, this is what we're building in Brooklyn. Right. And he, he talked a lot about how it's like, you know, he's done the thing with the Bitcoin that, that has or has not happened. I don't know. He's probably doing well if he's invested in Bitcoin, he's doing really well. Probably might be the most wealthy player in the NBA if he's got a lot of money in Bitcoin, but he got a lot of credit for that. 
And I wonder if he has as much pull behind the scenes as it seems to show outwardly. And if he's not around the team because he's rehabbing, does that affect Brooklyn? Because we've talked about this before. Like the one thing that makes you nervous about Brooklyn is like, you don't know what's going to happen with their personalities. You don't know what's going to happen with their coaching staff. Is Dinwiddie a very key cog? Because like maybe Dinwiddie really does get Kyrie. Maybe Dinwiddie's a, a, a very bi- a bigger leader on a team like that team than we think. And if he's not around as much because he's rehabbing, like does that affect them? And I, you know, I'm an analytics guy by nature, so like it's hard to just pull the chemistry card. But I, with with Brooklyn, like I, I worry about that a little bit. Like I worry about what's going to happen with their locker room if Dinwiddie is such a big voice because. Zan, it certainly seems like he is a big voice there. Like, it seems like he has a lot to do with what goes on. And then is he going to be around? And I think if there's a positive for this situation from his perspective is he gets injured early. So he's, he has a player option next year for only 12 million. So that would have been like an underpay if he was fully healthy. So he could probably beat that. You know, yeah, if he I think comes he'll into de- next year's salary. I think he'll decline it no matter what, right? Like, right. So if he's if he's going to decline that player option next year, and he's not going to be back until next year, is he done as a net? What's the point of having Dinwiddie yeah. around as that as a locker room guy? And so you look at him, twelve million on the books this year, eleven million on the books. Torian Prince about twelve million. Um, you can you know combine that, do the math in your head, throw in Jeff Green's about twenty five million. Theoretically, you could get another guy. And so when I say they're like they're one piece away, I don't think it's anyone special. I think it's like an Otto Porter type, you know, like somebody that Torian Prince is supposed to be, like a three and D guy, like who's just going to blend in. And I think the Bulls might do that. I mean, Otto Porter's on the last year. Of the I tw- wouldn't trade for Otto Porter this year, based on what we've seen. But no, he, I he understand what healthy, I either. understand what you're saying. Yeah, but they have some wiggle room if they want to just get a another guy. And then so obviously Karis Levert is has a big contract too, so he seems more key. He's more locked in, I guess, right now. So but you're think, saying that they should trade those guys for cap relief for another team for a bad deal? How much does Kevin Love make? Like thirty Kevin million, right? More. Otto Porter's off the books at the end of the year, so right. So just be a straight one for one swap. So it doesn't probably make sense for Chicago to do that no, unless you'd they have think, to throw in a pick. I think right, unless they think Dinwiddie would sign. I will say this, by the way, so. Brooklyn's current odds to win the Atlantic division on Bovada are they are minus 125, right? So one thing we know about this division too is like it's also Boston, also Philly, also Toronto, and Toronto's had a couple tough losses. But does this make you feel like now without the depth behind Kyrie and the fact that we know Kyrie will miss some games, we know KD will miss some games, like does this also make you feel like that minus 125 number is bad value. Like, would you yeah. rather have Boston at plus 425, Philly at plus 400, or Toronto at plus 500 than Brooklyn? Because I think, you know, if you'd asked me 12 hours ago, I'd have been like, okay, Brooklyn at even money to win the Atlantic makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's too stacked of a division to bet. And I'd look at Toronto at those odds, but they're, they start 0-2. I think they'll be okay. Um, I think, yeah, Brooklyn, is, it's a weird situation because they, they had a lot of depth. You thought they could coast maybe. And now maybe it'll be a good thing. You know, if we compare them to the Clippers last year, a lot of people in hindsight say maybe the Clippers should have tried harder in the regular season. Maybe they should have had a smaller rotation and played together more in the regular season last year. Brooklyn's getting to the point where they might just have to. They might have to play Kevin Durant, like, you know, 32 minutes, which is a lot. for If he can, if he can, if he can play. I I wonder if they sign somebody too, like Yogi Ferrell's on the free agent wire. He's, he'd be a decent backup. He makes sense. 
you know, like there's guys out there. Um, and I, I do trust like the coaching staff to, to be able to like find those guys. Like if the one thing Mike D'Antoni can do is like find and scout and make a point guard productive. Yeah. And their, their odds still on Bovada to win the East are still the best. They are, they are plus 250 and Brooklyn's plus 260. So it's not like people, and, and obviously the markets haven't quite adjusted. The Dinwiddie news just broke uh, on Monday. So it's, it's not a situation where I think people are scrambling right now. But I do think it makes it makes Brooklyn a little bit more interesting because I was pretty confident that they were the deepest team in the in the NBA and losing a a very big part of that, like losing a guy who can play both guard spots. He can come off the bench. He can start like losing that guy. It matters. So I I think it's worth watching for Brooklyn. But I will say if you were very high on the Brooklyn Nets, I think there is no reason to not be. Yeah, no, Durant Durant coming back and, and looking like immediately ready to go is a really good sign. It just really is like, he's not going to shoot 60% from three, but maybe, I don't know. You know, I have a really like, this might be too big of a topic um, for this discussion, but I was going to say Durant, you know, doesn't get a lot of credit for his defense. He's just super long and that he's helps. He's so good defensively yeah. when he's locked. He was, I don't know now that he is, but he was, but this is why I was thinking of it. Cause I'm thinking of guys like Zion, who's at times struggled on defense despite being super athletic. Blake Griffin has always struggled on defense despite being super athletic. Malik Monk, same thing. Andrew Wiggins, same thing. Are, do we overrate athleticism on defense? And is it more about just pure length? You, you know, know, some like, of those guys are really long, though. Well, not Griffin, not Zion. So Malik like, Monk is pretty long. For yeah, a but guard. he's small. He's little, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, maybe it's just, like, reaction time. Like, it's just, like, you just don't have time to react. So if, if you have those three extra inches on your wingspan, it really helps. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I mean, but also, though, like, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, this is a tougher conversation to have, like, off the cuff. But I think that's why people care about length, though. No, like, that's true. I mean, certainly length's been an issue. But I'm wondering, there's a lot of guys I'm seeing that have sort of mediocre athleticism but their defense is fine just because they have length to cover for it and co- consequently if like you know these guys who are super athletic doesn't seem to always translate to defense maybe it's an awareness thing or whatever else some, some of it yeah some of it's definitely that i mean who's not that long that's good defensively like what's an example of that guy or media i'm sorry or mediocre athletically that's pretty good defensively <laughs> um Ricky Rubio is one guy that comes to mind yeah and he's long too right and he's but he's also like a basketball savant yeah, maybe it's an awareness thing, but I, the reason I said that is because... It's uh, probably some of both, obviously. Well, I was just reading good defensive stats on Shake Milton, who is not an athletic guy, but he's long. He's long, for sure. And he's also on a very good team defensively, so I don't know. It's too early to really take away like advanced stats after three games, but it's something to keep in mind. All right, let's talk about one other, one other kind of like major injury, Carl Towns. And I, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about Minnesota and Carl Towns in general, if it's okay with you, before we get into the undefeated teams and we talk sure. about if they're, like, super good. So Carl Towns dislocated wrist. Uh, pretty disappointing, I'd say, right off the bat for him to dislocate his wrist. I, I would imagine he'll be out about a month, right? I, I think the initial – yeah, there, Woj said reevaluated weekly, so it seems – probably two to four weeks seems reasonable. They started my guy, Nazi Reed the other night. So I just, uh, 
I chuckle a little bit about the Timberwolves because without Towns, Anthony Edwards has been pretty good. He struggled on Sunday night. He, he shot the ball very, very poorly. But I struggle a little bit with the Timberwolves because without Towns, like, what do they do, right? D'Angelo Russell was atrocious on Sunday night without Towns. Yeah. He's he so like unathletic. Like, it just it, – it makes me wonder, like – what do they do without Carl Towns? Like, and, and, and you are as high on Carl Towns as anybody is, but like, can they just roll with Anthony Edwards? Like, should they just start him? Like, are the Timberwolves just useless if he misses yeah. two months? They, they have like, like worst team in the league potential just because it's like the balance is just off. Cause you know, like Dinwiddie, I think maybe the Nets can survive that. They have a, you know, Kyrie. I think Minnesota could easily survive a loss you know, of a month for Beasley or Russell or Edwards. They're all similar players, but like Towns is like the one front court guy they had that could really do much. Right. And they were, they were back to Nas Reed, but Nas is good. He's okay. I think their defense is going to be, even though Anthony Towns is not a good defender, I I just think they're going to be undersized. They're going to be jacking up shots. I think they're going to potentially get off to a really bumpy start that they might not be able to overcome. Although they are two and one right now. Yeah, and, and and like I said before, before Sunday night, losing to the Lakers by 35 without Anthony Davis, mind you, you know, Edwards had had two pretty good games. I think he was shooting like mid 50%. And then Sunday night, he's he also won. like winning over hearts and minds with his like media interviews. He's a very like funny kid. He's a very, I mean, I don't know what his odds to win rookie of the year are, but I, I actually can look because I'm sure I have it up in front of me. Uh, but, but he, you know, watching him and we could talk about Weissman a little bit, like you get it. Like I get why they're top two picks. Yeah, they're just like really big and athletic. And they it's, it's like amazing. Like, so Weissman on opening night, uh, like he looks good, right? Like he, he, he looks like he's ready to, to play in the NBA. And then you, you watch him and he kind of just looks like a great Dane, right? He just like, yeah. it doesn't, he's all arms and legs and he looks like super giant and athletic, but then he's like a step slow to do everything. Right. So, like, if it's unstructured and he can just rebound and stuff, like, he just is, like, fine. But then when he has to guard somebody or he has to, like, play within an offense, he just can't do it. Right? Like, that's – I don't know. Like, you well, like he's him. He's also – I like him. He's 19. He's young. Athletically, he has all the tools. I, a good skill. He's a smart kid. I like betting on guys like that. He definitely looks the part, though. Like, he looks oh, – for sure. Every he's, like, guarding Giannis at times. I mean, like – I think we're going to have to remind ourselves that he's 19 for a while. Cause yeah, I, mean, I never thought that he'd be able to switch, honestly. Like, that was the big thing. If you liked him or you liked Okongwu, it's like because you thought they could be Bam. And I never thought that Wiseman would be able to switch, like, one through five. If he can do that. Well, that's, I mean, that's a high bar. But he's, he can switch. I think he can guard fours and fives. I I really like him. The, to move topics, like, Warriors just look like a complete mess, though, other than that. I mean, and he, he'll have bumps along the way. It's growing pains. But it's it's more about, you know, Wiggins and Oubre. Are they going to turn, you know, buy into the culture and become a winning players? And, like, the verdict right now okay. is no. I don't know. We'll, we'll see when you write your least valuable player column. Because, like, it's fun to watch Kelly Oubre because he's just, oh like, gosh. all over the court like a freaking Tasmanian devil. He has been so bad to start the year. Like, there's a stat on that was floating on Reddit. You're not even going to believe this stat on Kelly Oubre. He, I guess he has six dunks and one little putback. Okay, that's it. He has no other. I saw this. He had. Right. He has no other made field goals that are not that like right. Putbacks. Yeah. So he's zero for thirty three shooting. <laughs> this seems impossible, and he's not yeah. a bad shooter. Zero for thirty three. Zero for seventeen from three. I saw that he was three for seventeen on Sunday night, and then I looked at it, and I was like, "What is he actually from the field?" And I looked, and I was like, seven for forty. That's actually surprising because 
I wasn't even aware that he was that good. That's how bad Kelly Uber is. But I'm not joking. Like I'm not but underselling. How is that even possible. If you put me out there for 33 shots, I would hit a shot. I don't think you would. Definitely well, maybe not. Steph Curry's gravity makes me. If they were open, maybe. If if I was if I was guarded, that would be a trouble. But if I was wide open, I would hit one out of thirty. I mean, I don't know that you would. I really, I really don't know. You don't think I, so? Well, you've never seen me play, first of all, so you don't know my stroke. But no, uh, but the game is fast. I don't. Ubre though, true. like it's it's weird. Like so, we get they, the the Warriors get Ubre right, and they have Andrew Wiggins, and it's like we talk ourselves into Golden State, and like honestly, like other than like. I, that might be the other big takeaway is watching Golden State. Like they they don't look like they're going to be any good. Like we thought maybe the team could compete for like the eighth spot, right? Or maybe there were some people that even had him as high as like the fifth or the third spot. I don't. I, unless Draymond Green comes back and he's like legitimately locked in, which it seems hard to take the leap that he's going to be like a hundred percent locked in, right? Like unless that happens, this team is not going to go five hundred. Not with the way Wiggins and Ubre are playing now. Like these and guys like, look like they have no idea what they're doing. And that's that's the key. It's not just like missing shots. Whatever, everyone misses shots. Remember, Mike Conley went like was like atrocious to start last year. Yeah. The warning signs to me with Ubre are so it's been three games. He's gotten to the free throw line four times total, and so that's not a good sign. His he has eight turnovers compared to three uh. assists. So he's just like not playing well. He doesn't have a feel at all. I don't really get it. I mean, he's and he's supposed to be like maybe right now he should be like their second or third best player. Right. And so now you have you have a situation where Steph is shooting 38% from the field and 26% from three, which that'll obviously change. Wiggins is shooting 33% from the field and 31% from three. And then Ubre shooting 17 and a half percent from the field and 0% from three. And here's the thing, he's shooting six threes a game. You tell me you have Steph Curry on your team, healthy, shooting 12 threes a game, and your offense is ranked. They're 30th. They're dead last in offense. And obviously, like, the the league didn't do them any favors, right? Because their schedule has been... They they managed to beat Chicago on Sunday night in a comeback where your guy Damian Lee bailed them out, which we we love to see it, right? But then yes. they've also played Milwaukee and then uh, Brooklyn, right? So it's it's a situation where the league was kind of like, okay, welcome welcome back, Steph. Like you're going to be really good, but I mean, these guys just look woeful on offense to start. And so, like I said, unless Draymond Green comes back and he's like winging the ball around, and I don't know, man, they're they're he's not a shooter either. I mean, it's just like. It's just, I, how does a team go from the best team I've ever seen? To the worst and, offense in the NBA? Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be a struggle to get to 500. They might get there, but making the playoffs as like a true eight top eight seems hard to imagine right now. No, I, 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 I agree with you, especially because Phoenix looks pretty good. Sacramento looks pretty good. San Antonio is obviously not going to be a team that's just going to be d- done. New Orleans looks pretty good. Somehow Stan Van Gundy, like you I, said, is Yeah, good. I really like New Orleans so far. Like that, that's what I'm saying. Like, so all those teams look pretty good. So it, it appears that like Minnesota, I think, is not going to be very good. Oklahoma City won. They they beat Charlotte in their only game of the year, but uh, Oklahoma City is going to be bad. We know this. But other than like those three teams, like Golden Golden State looks like the third worst team. Yeah. I mean, they might be. And if you just look at the the playoffs last year, you know, you'd think Oklahoma City falls off and then Phoenix takes their spot. And that's eight. That that's 
eight playoff teams. Like who's gonna? Yeah, what what happens? You know, and you'd have to pass Portland. Maybe it seems hard. Houston, I guess. You know, that's still to be determined. And obviously, still, if you look at yeah, we I'm gonna spare people talking about Houston because James Harden's the best. Like I don't care what he does off the court. That guy's unbelievable. But like if you look at it right, Denver's zero and two. Dallas is one and two. Houston's zero and one. Utah's one and one. Portland's one and one. We think all of those teams are going to be very good. So where is Golden State slotting I in? Hard. I think it's hard. And and to your point earlier, like Sacramento, I think is legitimately okay. I think the Spurs are trying. They're not tanking. They're going to be okay. Um, we'll see what we get from you know Minnesota and Memphis types. It's it's it's, it's weird. I, like I don't think Minnesota. Like I said, I think Anthony Edwards is going to have some real ups and downs, right? I think he's going to. There's going to be some days where he shoots it well and he does some crazy things and he gives an awesome post game interview and people are like, Anthony Edwards is the future of the NBA, right? And then there's going to be some games where he goes five for twenty and he shoots one for nine from three, and you're like, okay, Anthony Edwards is interesting. Like Anthony Edwards maybe is not that good, but the one thing with Anthony Edwards is that guy looks every bit of like six seven, like two twenty five. Like he just looks like a massive guard like he's making like like we we've you and i privately have talked a lot about Jarrett culver and why he doesn't make sense but like malik beasley is like a big nba wing and like anthony Edwards just looks like a creative player nba wing like it's wild how big that guy looks and he looks like he's still growing because he looks so young still i think he's a young rookie and but he looks fun if i was gonna like make panic takeaways to go back to golden state not to overreact but like, I think the two biggest negatives I've seen on the season, I'm like, oh, I don't think it's going to happen for Golden State. And then your team, the Washington Wizards, I would almost say the same thing. They're 0-3. They lost two games in a row to Orlando, who's maybe their competition for the eighth seed. And it just looks like their defense has not really changed. It hasn't gotten better. It's just... That's the other, that's the other one. I mean, I was going to say like of our, of our takeaways, like we were wrong on Golden State because we both thought the Golden State so far we were wrong, but I think we both talked about how bad we thought the Wizards would be defensively and boy, are they bad defensively. Yeah, but I thought they were going to be in contention for the eighth seed and 500. They, they, could, like. they could be, they could be, but they are bad defensively. I mean, it's not even, Rui's not even playing, right? They, they, they paid Davis Bertans like $85 million, right? And he plays less than 20 minutes a night. And it's like, if you can't play this guy and just let him bomb away from three and like live with the fact that he stinks defensively, like, why did you give him this contract? Like that already looks like a mistake. Yeah. And he is a guy with injury history too. So like they're saying he's not in shape and something like year one of this four year deal. I hope he's healthy. It's disappointing. I will say this though. The Washington Wizards are 0 and 3. They have a better SRS currently than the 3 and 0 Indiana Pacers. So that's what, that's That's what early season stats do for you. They, Russ but you know good. what the other warning sign is? They lost, two, as I mentioned, they lost two games to Orlando. And I thought maybe the eighth seed would be open because Orlando might just be kind of mailing it in. But Orlando's, you know, they, Orlando's, they look pretty good. Yeah. So let's talk about the teams that are actually good, right? Yeah. So they, well, have, they, they actually have, have good well. records, at least. Yeah. So, so Orlando's 3 0, Cleveland, shocking 3 0, Indiana 3 0 right now, Atlanta 2 0, and Oklahoma City has only played one game. Yeah, so what do, you, what do you like so far? What do you think? Let's the most surprising is Cleveland to me. And I'll, I'll say the thing with Cleveland, too. Uh, they are certainly not going to make the playoffs. Uh, it would be stunning if they did. Colin Sexton, uh, shooting it quite well to start the season. Uh, turnovers are down a little bit from last year. He is shooting almost 60% from two. He, he's played very well. He's averaging 27 points a game. But 
Good news if you're a Cleveland fan, three games of Darius Garland, and he's playing 35 minutes a night. He has looked very capable to start the year. Very good, in fact. Like, Yeah, and that that's the biggest surprise. And I like Darius Garland. You did yeah. coming out of college. I liked him because I'm like, he just looks like a pure shooter. He looks like a, a scorer. Tiny guy. That was the fear. It's like He's small, but he's, I mean, right now, 55% from the field. 50% from three, 57% from two, averaging eight assists and uh, only two turns. I mean, this was a guy that we heard might be Damian Lillard, some sort of like a little bit like Chris yeah. Paul with the ball in his hand. Like we heard that about Darius Garland and he pops off the worst rookie season for like a guard in 20 years. And you're like, all right, they're not going to be good. How can they play him and Sexton together? But three and games into the think, year and they've not right. played anybody really good. No, and, so. but the, the fear was like they were fatally flawed because you have these two guards who can't defend and then you're going to have like basically two Trey Youngs running around there. Your defense is going to be awful. This year, they're second in defense. I mean, this is... They did, get, they did benefit. So they played Philly. Without they blew out Philly on Sunday and Joel Embiid missed his first game of the year. So don't know what the odds on uh, Bovada were for Embiid to miss a game in the first three, but... It was a back-to-back, and he had back tightness. So, like, it's and just like what you Andre get. Drummond was, like, feasting and on Drummond that. went nuts, right? Yeah. Drummond was, like, fantastic. Just loved playing Dwight Howard. But other than and, – and Philly's good. I think Philly's going to be quite good. And, but it's hard to judge them without Embiid. Cause that's but do you buy this at all? Obviously, they're not going to have the second-best defense. They're the second-worst last year. But no, I don't buy them. Okoro's a big, big wing. You know, Drummond and Love, if Love is healthy, it doesn't look totally healthy. But those are competent, you know, 10-year pros there. Um, they've played, they've played Charlotte, team. Detroit, and Philly without Embiid. Like, I'm not buying their defense. I'm, I'm just is not. It, is this a situation? Remember, they gave Charlotte, up 128 points to Detroit. Charlotte, remember last year started really hot. I think they were like, I forgot what they were. It reminds me of that. Of all like the undefeated teams, I think Cleveland is the biggest mirage. Obviously. But if if, Gar- if Garland is actually good, like if Darius Garland is legitimately good, like you said, like. Drummond is an NBA player, like a capable, almost good NBA five man. I I think Colin Sexton's a pretty good player. Like if, if you have that with Kevin Love and Larry Nance, who's also a good NBA player, like a good fifth piece. He, I mean, Charlotte or uh, Cleveland might not be horrific. Right. And, the, and if you're looking at like season, they're going to be horrific unders. defensively though. I don't care right. what their numbers are. They're going to be bad. If, but if you're looking at over-unders, that theirs was like 20, right? Or something. So it's like you rattle off three wins in a row. Like you're really nervous about hitting that under now just because like they're going to get some cheap wins early. Yeah. And probably not a good sign for their draft pick if, they, if that's the end goal here too. Yeah, you got to think that if in fact Cleveland is decent, you know, halfway through the year, that they'll trade Kevin Love and they'll trade Larry Nance. You got to like, think what's that. decent? Like I, I'm buying them. I thought they're going to win 20 games. I could they see went twenty five. They went thirteenth in the wins draft, right? Yeah, they were no. They were the last. I think. Oh, they. I took the that? Knicks before Cleveland. Damn, yeah, I think stinks. so. Yeah, I thought this roster was terrible, and they've got three wins already. It's not good. Well, they have more vets than the Knicks, right? I guess if you look at yeah, the I mean they've guys. got you know if you look at it like they've got Drummond, they've got Larry Nance, they've got Kevin Love, Chetty Osmond's been around forever. Right? You don't really think about that. They've got Javale McGee, my guy Dante Exum. They've got Damian Dotson. Like those guys have been in the NBA for a while. But if I give you, well, let's say the playoffs are the top eight. You know, there's a plan, but like the top eight, can they get the eighth seed? And I gave you twenty to one I odds. Would you take that? I don't think so. I don't think I would either. All I, right, I they're just, over under. They're over under on Bovada was twenty two and a half. They have thir- they have three wins right now. They have sixty nine games left. Are they winning 
19 games? Yeah. Are they winning 20? Are they winning 20 games? Yeah. And my expectations for them change from like 20 wins this year to 25, 25 wins. Yeah. Yeah, And that's good. I mean, it's probably good for the coaching staff and it's Garland is the biggest bright spot. Cause it's like, maybe this is not a disaster. Maybe he can be CJ McCollum. You know, maybe this will all work down the road. They're just going to be super young right now. Right. And Okoro, Isaac Okoro is going to be like an interesting guy to watch. Uh, He did not play Sunday night. And Kevin Porter has played, I believe, zero minutes for them so far. So that's because, I, I mean, Kevin Porter's good. Like, I think he's good. But again, you're, you're not talking about a situation where how many minutes are they giving to Okoro? Is he going to be an NBA scorer? Like, there are reasons now. I would have told you a week ago that I had zero reasons to turn on any game with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think there are reasons to watch the Cavs. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Okoro because, like, he's got to play. They, they have no wing depth. Yeah. And then Larry Nance is... Every year, you're playing like, him a small forward. They they like. I mean, they like him. They're using him a lot. But let's talk about. Think, do you do you think that Kevin Love finishes the season on the Cleveland Cavs? I don't know if he finishes the season. I mean, he's already missing game. I mean, leaving games. He's only averaging ten. He's, so through, he's played twenty three minutes. He's played forty six minutes through two games. And how do you trade that? You know, if your guy is three years he's left on this th- contract, well, he's making like thirty one million. Yeah. Like I like Kevin Love, and I think he could help some teams. But like, yeah, you're right. At a certain point, like it's just a straight up depreciating asset. Yeah, it's really it's going to be hard to trade. I mean, really nice guy. Do you see he paid off like some of the workers? Yeah, he's good. Um, Kevin Love's great. He's he's great. Honestly, but the other takeaway, big takeaway, I'd say, like one of the reasons I was so cold on the Wizards poor start is because like maybe they're going to be in the contention for the eighth seed you'd think their competition for that is atlanta who's two and oh orlando who's three and oh of those two teams who's three and oh yeah and then so which of those teams do you think is i think indiana safely like a playoff team they look like sabonis looks even better but orlando and atlanta (laughs) hold on i want to say something about indiana real quick before we get to this point it is so fun to watch tj warren operate at like 0.25 0.25 speed of everyone else, but then still get into the lane and like make a, an eight foot jump shot. Like it, it, because it just, there aren't guys that do this, right? Like, so it's fun to like see him with the ball in his hands, slowly breaking guys down and getting into the lane and scoring. I, I like TJ Warren. He's, he's one of my you favorite always players. Liked TJ Warren. He's one of my favorite players to watch, even though I shouldn't like him because he plays very odd, but he's fun to watch. Like it's, it's amazing to see. I always enjoy guys who do things differently and are still effective and i think there was a big question with indiana was like all right well if tj warren's the guy that we saw in the bubble then indiana has a chance to take a pretty big jump because it does look like honestly it looks like toronto and boston are going to come back towards the pack a little bit right so yeah. maybe indiana can get into that top three i don't i don't think that but it's no I don't, I don't think so I, I but i thought they would just dip we had them like seventh you know yeah we thought, we thought they were going to make the playoffs. We both thought right. they would make the playoffs and you can see the coaching stat it's a obviously too early to take away major takeaways but they were 20th in pace last year, up to 10th this year. I think that's going to be like the big difference for them. Like they're yeah. trying to push it a little bit more. And I think that's to their benefit because their offense did get bogged down a lot last yeah, year. Yeah. And they're going to, they're going to shoot a lot more threes. They have, I think, one, two, they have four guys shooting over four right. threes it's a game. bonus. One, like what had stopped shooting threes. Now he's shooting them again. Yeah. So it's a Malcolm Brogdon is very good. We know this. Your guy, Victor Oladipo, had two very good games. So that's good for them to see. But yeah, Indiana's good. Okay, so we want to talk about which team do I think is for real between right. Atlanta? Well, th- these are two good potential mirages because Orlando last year had a bad offense. Right now, they're top ten in offense, at three and zero. Last year, Atlanta had a terrible defense. This year, they're top ten in defense. It's only been two games, so only one of these teams probably is going to get make the eighth spot. 
do you have a preference right now? Like which of these teams is actually an above 500 team? Yeah, I would guess, I would say Atlanta, right? I, I think that like Atlanta is going to be pretty good. We we know that they're going to be able to score. They have, I, I caution, I guess I, I want to say like I caution people from being like, man, Atlanta's really good because it looks like Chicago is going to be terrible. Like yeah. I had said, I thought Billy Donovan might have them good to go, but like Chicago's just given up 120 plus to everybody. So it looks like Chicago's going to be bad. So Atlanta plays Chicago and they blow them out. Trey Young, huge game in the first half. And then they play Memphis. So here's where I will tell you with Atlanta, the start of their schedule, and we didn't actually break stuff like this down, right? But the start of Atlanta's schedule is they're 2 0. They've beaten Chicago and they've beaten Memphis. They then play Detroit and then they have the Nets twice in Brooklyn. It'll be interesting to see how they look against a team like Brooklyn, right? And then following that, they play the Knicks, the Hornets twice. So, like, they could easily, they could be what, nine and one? eight and one to start the year. And it's, it's, if you have that type of start to the season, it's, it's, it's a big springboard against a team like Orlando who, you know, you get to play the wizards twice, which is great because the wizards can't guard anybody, but they have to play more of the Atlantic division than Atlanta does to start the year. And I think that's a big deal. I, I, and so I think that Atlanta's probably the team that I think is, but you know, or to that point, I just looked it up Orlando, they're going to play Philadelphia once in the next few games, but Oklahoma City twice, Cleveland twice. Yeah, but then they then they go at Houston, at Dallas, Milwaukee, at Boston, at Boston, at Brooklyn. Yeah, that, well, I'm saying they could be a start seven and two or something like that. So I, mean, I will say with with Orlando, the one thing is that like Markel Fultz looks good, and I think like that's a big come up for them. Vucevic is just a really good player; like he's just really good. But Terrence Ross gets to go off against the Wizards two games in a row because they have nobody to guard wings, like. Denny can't do it. Davis Berton stinks. Troy Brown's too thin. So, like, I don't know if Orlando's going to be able to do that against a team, even against a team like Cleveland, if we think Isaac Okura is a good wing defender. Like, where does Orlando get the rest of their scoring from? Because they still can't shoot. Like, right. they just they I, still I do can't. think that's more of a mirage. I think you're right. Because it's like, Atlanta, you could see the argument. Like, they added all these pieces, and they're, they're all young. Their roster is really good offensively. Yeah. And Orlando... You know, it's going to be year three of Steve Clifford, basically the exact same team that finished 33 and 40 last year, missing a few pieces. So, Although they did trade for Dwayne Bacon and he's been awful, or they signed Dwayne Bacon and he's been awful. So but like you, you can't like realistically argue that same players finished 23rd in offense last year. Suddenly they're going to be sixth. You know, it's just like it does. There's no reason unless you think Markel Fultz is going to take like a monster, monster. But leap. even if he takes a monster leap, his monster leap is that like he's. What what is his monster league? Because he's never gonna he's shooting twenty five percent from three, he's shooting less than fifty percent from the field. Like yes, he can draw fouls, but he's not like an elite passer, right? I mean, he's only shooting I think like four free throws a game, but he's yeah, you know, like he, he Markel Fultz is like giant leap is that he's going to average like twenty two points a game with bad shooting 25 numbers, five and five or something like that. Yeah, and like that. That's what I'm saying. Like, and he that's he's good. Like in the open floor, like he looks very explosive. He looks big. Like he he looks much more comfortable, but. Marco Fultz is not having a, a drastic change into who he is as a player. We're just kind right. of seeing Marco Fultz with more confidence. Well, and, and also you're not, you wouldn't bank on guys who've like shown what they are. Like Terrence Ross, I like Terrence Ross. He's fine, rotational player. Never averaged more than 2.7 free throw attempts a game. He's at five, right? Five now, and a man. half, basically. Yeah, he shot now. It's 15, like, and, and, he's, and he's shooting over 50% from three. He's their leading scorer. He said, you know, again, and a lot of it's like you play the Wizards. So like your offensive numbers are going to look pretty good. What happens? When you play a good defensive team. That's why it's so scary, the Wizards. It's just like, 
gosh. Yeah, because Orlando direct... should they should stink offensively. Yeah. And so that's scary. Like that's like when you realize like we're worried about our defense and our defense looks bad and we're playing a bad offensive team and they're scoring 120 against us. It's just like, yeah, I mean, they gave up, they gave up 250 in two games to Orlando. I mean, but Orlando scored 113 against Miami. So it's, you know, I think. So if I to summarize, I'd say the teams that like the biggest red flags to me so far have been Washington and golden state and teams I'm buying into that. I wasn't before. I don't really know because I'm not really buying Orlando. I'm not really buying Cleveland. I think Atlanta's going to be around what we thought. But I guess you were you were already buying New Orleans too. Yeah, I, I think maybe New Orleans is the team that I'm more bullish on even now, just because it's like they just look so freaking big. They still the shooting's what, an issue. The West is a gauntlet. Like we talked about this before, but like having watched the West, like the bottom of the East looks like it's not. I understand the like Charlotte is one and two, and I understand Cleveland's three and zero, oh, and like. Atlanta might be better, but like the East just looks worse, right? Chicago looks hapless. Detroit looks terrible. Like it doesn't look like there's any really bad, to, even Oklahoma city, they beat Charlotte, but like even Oklahoma city looks capable with like Gilgis Alexander and Al Horford. Like they don't look like they're drawing dead. Like they don't look nearly as bad as like the Sixers looked when they were tanking to begin with the West and looks like, especially look if good. Houston is good. Like, well, and also let's talk about eye test. Cause you're talking about what, who looks good. That's why, like, I think New Orleans is one of those teams that looks better than the stats, even because like they just look big and they, they look just can't athletic. Shoot. Like, they can't just shoot. But can't to that shoot. point, like, Brandon Ingram took a massive leap last year as a shooter, and there He's was this fear good. that he would regress. He hasn't so far. No, and his shot just looks good. Yeah, I mean, also, he, Lonzo Ball looks like a his yeah, jump his shot, shot is ridiculously different. Like, yeah, it looks so much it better. Looks, like he can shoot off the dribble now. And it's like, it's impressive. Like, I'm not saying he's a great shooter, but like, no, but he, he certainly not. It doesn't look funky. It looks consistent. It's like form is good. Brandon Ingram is, he's has that Durant thing where he's just so tall. He's going to get his so, shot off. So new Orleans is over under. It was 35 and a half. Are you more confident or less confident? I'm more confident. I think I, I think I predicted Stan Van Gundy coach of the year. And I think it's likely. I, Definitely like, like that. Eric Eric Bledsoe's looked quite good. Zion is actually he, he shot it poorly on Sunday night, so his shooting percentage went way down. He actually was like seven for twenty two, which I've never seen before from Zion. But I mean, the, Zion the looks fear, the part. The point is like the fear is like the thing that's scary too is you know Zach Lowe, who's so smart. I think you know, but he I think like, he's smart. What are you talking? I don't. No, I don't but think, you he's think he's like he's a like genius. A fake, you think he's like a fake? You no, know. I don't. I don't think. I just. I just don't think I just don't think Zach is like overly impressive in comparison to like other people. Like everyone just thinks Zach is like the smartest NBA media guy. Like I don't think that. I think there's plenty of NBA media guys that are as smart as Zach, if not smarter. Well, the thing, cause the thing that kind of like saddened me for his sake, because he's he was talking with you know like Arnovitz or somebody else, you know, drinking wine, talking about these games, and he was they're talking about how Zion's a bad defensive rebounder. And I'm like, he's really not. If you he's watch him, like he's like though. very like selfless and just doesn't go for all the yeah, rebounds. He's fine. And he's much better offensive rebounder because he's trying a lot harder on offensive rebounds versus uncontested defensive rebounds. Correct. And the same goes for Steven Adams. And so now you put these two together and they're just like monsters on the they're offensive board. Animals on the offensive glass. It's like it's it's this is what I was talking about with this is what I was talking about with TJ Warren. It's like you watch these teams and you're like, okay, everybody does the same thing, right? Like that's why I loved watching Houston before anybody was like tapped in. and was like, Houston was shooting all these threes and they were playing fast. And like, then they decided to go super small, which was like fun to watch. It's like, 
now New Orleans is just going to try. They're going to play like North Carolina plays in college, where they just try to beat the shit out of you on the glass. Like, and it's so rare. Usually, you might have like one offensive rebounder, but there's really no one in the, I can think of in the last ten years that has like made a point to like we're having two offensive rebounders. We're going to dominate you on the glass. Maybe the Stephen like, Adams, the, like late the like late nineties New York Knicks. Yeah, maybe Oklahoma City with uh, well, yeah when they had like Perkins Cantor and, and yeah, 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 they, yeah maybe that team, but like. But the thing of the New Orleans, it's weird. Is like they definitely need more shooting. They're like is a shooter Zion, away. Is, is Zion a bad defensive rebounder? Like they're talking about he's a bad defensive rebounder. If you're looking at like defensive rebound percentage, yeah. but like how many times have I sat on this show and told you that like defensive rebounding isn't necessarily a, an no, indicative just, stat of anything? Like, no. well, this should definitely be like a contested rebound, uncontested rebound rate. Um, but then the thing with New Orleans that the one hesitation I have is you clearly have like the pieces for. Forget this year. Two years down the road, like they they have like championship level pieces. If they had another great shooter, I think, and it's not going to be Josh, JJ Reddick because he's thirty six. Yeah. I'm not sure why it's not Nikel. Like, why don't they just let Nikel Alexander Walker come out and just fire away? But this is my what I was going to say is like you know this team right, and then we said before in the in the Anthony Davis trade they had the fourth pick as part of it traded down, get Jackson Hayes who's now playing ten minutes a game. And you sign Steven Adams, or you traded for him, whatever, $15, $20 million a year. What was the point of that pick? Why get Jackson Hayes? I told you before, the one thing, and and I won't take credit for this, I think John Hollinger said it, but like it made no sense to like take Steven Adams in this deal. Like, why wouldn't you take Al Horford? If like, and and again, I don't know in terms of like salaries matching and, and the timing of it, but it took so long to complete the deal anyway. Why would you take Steven Adams and then instead of just rerouting Horford from Philly? to Oklahoma city to new Orleans because he fits better with what they do. And he can like shoot it a little more, but it, like Jackson Hayes is just like not going to play. Right. Super and that's weird. why it's so disappointing. Cause like you'd love the idea of Zion with like a bunch of tall wings. I'm like, I know you're not a huge, like cam reddish fan or something, but like, what if he's, he just took cam reddish? Cam reddish is fine. Like I, I don't, and he's like giant, you know, six ten. like you put him next to Ingram. It's just like, it could have so, been a really fun team. So Zion and Steven Adams, I actually just looked this up really quickly, and these are not minutes adjusted. So Zion is number one. Zion has the most offensive rebounds in the league this year so far. Through three games, he has 13. But I don't, I don't typically like doing that. I like going by percentage. So Zion is 10th in offensive rebound percentage at 13%, and Steven Adams is 19th at 10%. I don't think off my very quick, like, crack Googling. So Philly has... Embiid and Dwight Howard also in the top 20, but they don't ever, those guys don't play together, right? And then Bagley and Rashawn Holmes, who do play together, are also in the top 20. So, but yeah, just Bagley's a good offensive rebounder too. And then Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. So it's like these teams that it's more, more of teams that play two different centers, not so much teams that play two different guys at the same time who can just hammer the glass, right? Who do you think is number one in offensive rebound percentage, if you had to guess? This year? Yeah, just take it a guess. not one of those guys we just talked about? None of those guys were number one. Um, Drummond? Drummond is eighth, right above Zion. Uh, Rudy Gobert, 21.5%. And then Jared Allen, 20. I, I think we're pretty close to Jared Allen being a pretty freaking good NBA player, but that's just for another day. DeAndre Jordan can just continue to play the starters minutes. I don't. New Orleans is good. Like, Stan is a weird coach, man. Stan is just like... They're fun to watch. There's definitely one of the most fun teams to watch. Yeah, because Zion is just like, first of all, it, it was funny on, on Christmas Day, like you could tell, like everyone made this huge deal about how like he dominated Christmas Day, but like they they were never really in the game. The game was never, it was never really a close game against the Heat. 
which you could tell at the end of the game, like he was exhausted. So I do think we're getting to this point with Zion where like he needs to figure out how he can get as much done as possible in like 28 minutes a game. Cause it doesn't seem like he's going to be a 35 minute a game guy. Right. Like I just, that's my hang up. I'm not worried about him. Like I'm not worried about the shooting. I'm defensively. I think he's fine. He protects the yeah, rim he enough. Like cu- he's a okay. couple steals a game right now, which is much better than last year. Yeah. Like I, I, I think Zion will be fine defensively. He, he may never be like a defensive player of the year guy, which we did think there was a chance of that, but if he's never going to be able to open his hips enough, like it probably won't happen. But like, I just don't think he can play. I just don't think his body can play 35 minutes a night. It's weird. I just don't think yeah, so. His on off numbers are bad actually right now. Are they really? Um, yeah, it's more like Steven Adams is really high. Um, Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh so Hart mad. has good numbers. It makes numbers. me so mad that they that he can't play the five though. Like it just it, it just like frustrates me that like he can't be a small ball five. All right, any other takeaways? We got like five minutes left. What else? What else have you seen so far? Trey Young MVP, by the way. Yeah, I mean it's not not, not that was one of your weirdest calls, but it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. You still can't get Bovada still doesn't have odds on on him on the board. I'm sure you will be able to get them probably next week, but like I'm not saying he's not going to win MVP because they're not going to win enough games. But like Trey Young might average like 35 and 12. Yeah, I you really don't have any, no real strong takeaways. You want to talk about James Harden for a second? No, you love talking. We got to cut you off. I mean, Harden talk. I mean, how many? How much? Like, it's it's funny. Like, he's just clearly trying to get traded. He just like hates being in Houston. He's like potentially infected like half the team with COVID, and then like just comes out and they play a good Trailblazers team, a, a team that we think is really good, and he just has forty four and seventeen, and they lose in overtime. It's like it's insane. Like the guy. Well, how is, about this? How about one time? I'm going to cut you off from the James Harden. It's like, you got to get drunk at the bar. Just like swigging away. James you just talk, I talk about James Harden and election fraud. Those are my two favorite topics right now. With the one defensive team that we like, you know, bad defensive start. We didn't talk about Denver nuggets yeah, 30th in defense right now. And then I thought it was notable because we were worried about Porter and his defense. Mike Malone. Do you see this? He called him out because he struggled to guard. I think Kawhi. And then he's like, look, like we can't hide you if you're a starter, you know, yeah. like you have to be able to play defense. And so we thought maybe last year was injury related, you know, is he going to come back? But right now, like it, that's a, a problem. And obviously they'll make the playoffs, but it's like it could be the difference between being the two seed and the fifth seed. I'll tell you what. I like Mike Malone. I think he's a weird dude. I think their bigger problem is that Jamal Murray has been not good through two games, uh, shooting under 35% from the field, 25% from three. Michael Porter is never going to be an all defensive first team guy. Michael Porter may never be an average defender, but like if you're telling me that like you're starting Michael Porter and he's giving you 17 and five on 38, you know, on like 54, 39, 70 from the foul line like what more do you want like stop playing freaking gary harris like seriously like i i I have no time for mike malone calling out guys like michael porter two games in the year when like gary harris and jamal murray can't make a shot like i i understand that they're they're not good defensively but like you're you're playing a team like your team has nikola Jokic, who's going to play 40 minutes a night or 35 minutes a night like you're never going to be very good defensively like so, three three fifths of your of your lineup are bad defenders, plus Paul Millsap. Like, yeah, well, thirtieth. You can't be thirtieth, and it's only been two games. It's been two games, but like the bigger problem's been, and they've played like they played the Clippers right. 
And then uh, Sacramento in overtime, they lost that game, a close game. Right. And in the game, Buddy Heald had a tip at the buzzer, like off of turnover, mind you, to like win the game. So I I just somehow he knew James Harden would come in there too. I just, I just want you guys, I just, James Harden, like he had COVID, he didn't come to camp, he like didn't work out at all. Like, and then he's just ready to just. Oh, I thought it was James Harden. They're playing next game too. That's what I was thinking. It's, it's, just, it's just like, it's, I, I just, <laughs> did you see what CJ McCollum said after the game? Probably not. Cause you don't like, you're, you're not a, like, you don't have a Google or for James Harden, but like, he basically was like, I don't care what the guy does off the court. Like he's like the best, like I, I just, the next Sixers fan who tells me they don't want James Harden because like, he's just not that good. It, it, the guy is fantastic as a basketball player. He is a baby. He's like sensitive. Like he's, out of shape, like whatever, but he's just there. There are how there are how many dudes in the world can do what this guy does? None, right? Yeah, Christian Wood looks good. He Glad looks Detroit, really, he Detroit looks really good. continues to baffle us by letting him go and then signing older guys who are not as good. Yeah, it's not uh, so much that they let Christian Wood go. Like that would be okay, right? Just being like, ah, we don't know if he's going to be good. It's that they signed like Mason Plumley. <laughs> <That's laughs> like, really? It's like, what is going on here? I don't even mind Mason Plumway, but I mean, it's just like he's 30, you know? So, like, what's the point here? Detroit's 0 2, so they're doing exactly what we thought they would do. Memphis, I think, is kind of an, a hard luck 0 2. John Morant on opening night was fantastic, of course. He'll be he'll be very good oh, this year, but Memphis will take a little bit of a step Any back big too. takeaways of the holiday season? Yeah, Christmas. I was I'm ready pro to. Christmas. Are you coming down? Was Christmas overrated or underrated? Christmas was Christmas was good. I, I like Christmas. Cooked a roast. It was it was very good. We we bought way too many toys for the baby. Like it made no sense to have as many toys as we did. Like he can't. I know we we all did that too. But Christmas, if you had to power rank SRS best holidays, Ooh, that's good. I don't know. I don't know what I think is like the best. Christmas, I guess, is the best. Like for me, at least, like Christmas slash New Year's, like that whole kind of like week. Is pretty fun. I like Thanksgiving too. What about you? No, no. For me, honestly, hot takes take every single. No, no. Honestly, here's my SRS. Halloween was always my favorite holiday as a kid. That's a good one too. Those are definitely the the favorites. Halloween one. Halloween is number one. Oh, I think you said Halloween one, like the movie Halloween. (laughs) No, Halloween was number one for me. What about you? I think Christmas is. You know, it's as much as I say it should be a national holiday. It's not. So maybe that's you know, not an inclusive thing to rank. It's going to be funny because people who are actually very religious are also going to be mad at this take. Like people who are ardent defenders of Christmas being a religious holiday are also going to be mad at you. So you're just going to annoy everybody. And it's not even Jesus's birthday. Really? If you want to get technical, Um, I don't want to get technical. (laughs) I'm not interested in getting technical. If you believe in Jesus, I think he was born in like the summer. Okay. All right. All right. They made it like a holiday because they wanted to like, you're going to pick like Arbor Day as your number one holiday. No, no, definitely not. I mean, Christmas. Valentine's Day. Eh, it's a lot of, makes a lot of people unhappy, though. How about know. Father's Day now? Are you a big Father's Day guy? No, don't care about Father's Day. Mother's Day is nice. <laughs> um, your wife doesn't even listen to this show. No, no, it's true, though. Mother's Day is nice. Or come on, mothers work harder than dads. Um, Why don't you just pick an entire what about the most overrated Black holiday? History Month? <laughs> no, most overrated holiday. All right, Thanksgiving, you have to spend it with too many people. I, I never liked it as a kid, but um, maybe July 4th? July 4th is overrated. Okay. July 4th is okay. July 4th is fun. It's like the summer, I guess. But the fireworks kind of freak me out. There's You're a lot of, of injuries. There's a lot of injuries from fireworks. 
All right, MTV Challenge accepted. Your show, killing it, rising up the ranks. Uh, the show appar- apparently is as crazy as ever. It's, a, it's apparently a they show. just they just pound out amazing seasons every single time. So <laughs> MTV Challenge, yeah, um, watch the real show. It's on Wednesdays, and then listen to the podcast. It comes out a couple days later. Um, uh, we also need to get Dondrick on the show because we need him to talk about Zion because there's been a lot of hatred about Zion and we need we, we need to wait like another two weeks and then be like, OK, what's your problem? Because this guy's awesome. So uh, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. More stats like the Kelly Oubre dunk stats. We need to keep those coming, Zan. So scour the corners of the Internet for odd stats because those are always fun. And then uh, yeah, and writing some reviews. You know, what's fun about the MTV challenge is like the fans of that show are just so passionate that they'll write in angry comments and stuff, which I appreciate. And um, so please do that for us. You know, talking too much about Christmas, talking too much about James Harden. We'll never talk too much about James Harden. I'll, I'll stop the show before I talk too much about James Harden. Uh, anyway, Xandrick Allison at, yeah, at gmail.com. At least one, one negative review to buy tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Xandrick Allison at gmail.com. Show, you can write that. E- email the show. Let us know what you think. Give us your James Harden best game power rankings. Other than that, uh, Zan, it's good to have games back. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.